You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get this thing rolling. All right. We are back. Another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday, as as mentioned in the post for scheduling the live event. Um, we don't have a ton of basketball to talk today. Last week we had we had two Badger or no, we just had one Badger game last week, um, uh, and five Bucks games. And now this week we have just one Badger game, two Bucks games. And then we're going to bring in Simon and Bryant from our regular Friday shows. And we are going to talk all about our stat projections that we made ahead of the season. And then positions of need for the draft. And these positions of need are the positions that we are going to focus on when we start our draft prep. So definitely pay attention to that as that's going to be our football focus basically from the middle of February until the end of April. Um, so that'll definitely be a big part of that. Um we're going to have our next Friday night Packers show on February 10th. That's the second Friday in February. So we're going to do um, each, each of us, the four of us are each going to do four ways to fix the Packers. So that's what we're going to do on that mm-hmm. February 10th show. So that'll be our next Packers show. And then after that, we're going to be pretty much ratcheting up with, um, with draft prep and almost, almost back to weekly shows. So um no power pair this week for the Badgers. There's only one game, so it feels kind of weird to do a power yeah. pair from one game. But um, let's talk about the Badgers and Northwestern, what you saw from that game. What's up, James? Um, <sighs> Badgers and Northwestern. All right. I'm going to go through my three things that my major takeaways. I'm going to let you go, and then we're going to come to a, a group decision on what went wrong, right? Okay, so – the first thing that I saw was the offensive struggle to get on the road. I mean, that goes without saying. Um, you look at the field goal percentages, we shot 38% overall, 32% from three. And Northwestern shot 43% from the field and 38% from three. Two it free seems throws, too, like, because that's important, I think. The batters were 56.3% of the free throw line. Yep, that was my next thing. Missed seven crucial free throws. I mean, that you, you can't do that. If you're going to be a team that you know slows the pace down mm-hmm. – and every bucket is crucial for both sides. You have to make your fucking free throws. I think that goes without saying. You know, we talked about it with Badger football, right? And we we made this correlation before where maybe people are calling for Greg Gard because they see what a Luke Fickle can do. But they also have to take into account McIntosh gave a promise to Fickle saying, we're going to put money into the football program. We want this to be our moneymaker. Did he go to Greg Gard and have that conversation with him too? I don't think so. Nobody really knows. But I think if they stuck a little bit more money into basketball, we might get some better recruits too, you know, more yeah. money to fly across country and all that stuff. But 
you know, the seven missed free throws, you can't do that. When I, when I was talking about what the football is, we used to just ground and pound, play defense, you know, less possessions. You brought it up early in the season when we – our first loss. And yep. I was like, that's a great point, man. And that's kind of how the basketball has kind of survived for the last 20-plus years as well. Yep. And then the last thing that I wanted to bring up was our last made field goal was a Stephen Crowell layup with three minutes and 14 seconds remaining. We went the final three minutes and 14 seconds without a field goal. We had a couple free throws after that. Uh, I think we went two of four, ah, maybe two or three. I don't remember off the top of my head. But we only hit a couple free throws from the three-minute mark left in the game. That is absolutely uncalled for. I'm going to leave the rest to you, and we will come to a synopsis together. On on the subject of Greg Gard, isn't it a little crazy how quickly expectations can change? It is. It is. I mean, I know you brought it up that like three seasons in a row, the Badgers have been picked to finish in the bottom third of the Big Ten, mm-hmm. and they won a share of it last year. Greg Gard has won Coach of the Year twice. Mm-hmm. And now we're in a situation where they were picked to finish in the bottom third. I think they were picked to finish ninth, I want to say. Ninth or tenth. And they get to a point where they get off to a good start. Like I said, they would. They got mm-hmm. off to even a little bit better start than I even thought they would. Right. And they got ranked. Like I said, I thought they would. And I told you they have a tough December and January. Here we are in January, and the Badgers are going through some tough stretches, and people are freaking the fuck out. Shocker. Like, it's it's crazy how quickly expectations can change when the expectations were low, the team overperformed, now the team is performing back to original expectations, and people are flipping out. Like, we got we to gotta find some kind of happy middle ground here. Mm-hmm. That we have to. Otherwise, everybody like in the fan base is just going to drive themselves fucking insane. I, I know where that happy middle ground is. It's at Wisco Fanatics because um, the reason it, the reasoning I'm going to say is because even though we lost, there's still positives to take away from the game. Now, sure. obviously, I just brought up problems, but these are all coachable problems that you that can be fixed, right? Making free throws, offensive struggles. It, you got to tell people like, hey, we got to be ready to go. And then, you know, the, the the last made field goal thing, that's that's on guard in my opinion. That could be on guard, it could be on the player's execution, but yeah. he's got to he's got to be able to to reel them in. Remember, these are kids; these are not professionals. So, right. you know, and, and some of them are older because we're we're not a Duke and a Kentucky where we just get these five star kids that stay for a year, right? right? But we we still have kids that that need to be able to to rally the group, you know. And that that's that's a Tyler Wall. That's a that's a Chucky Hepburn, and Chucky yeah. Hepburn is getting a whole heaping heaping pile of learning on the fly right now. Yeah. So. You know, the, these experiences are good for us in the long run because they're learning experiences because we got smart kids here. They're not yeah. they're not some dummies. So I expect them to right these wrongs. I, I, by no means do I expect us to stay the norm. Right. So I'm going to welcome Bernard and Isaac. What up, boys? Uh, welcome. And, you know, you brought up – you keep saying the word problems. And what I would suggest is not only for us but for – for our viewers, for Simon and Brian to do the show with us, for those watching these teams, watching other teams, any Wisconsin sports teams, any sports teams in general, life in general. Just just change the word problems and substitute in the word opportunities. 
and just like just think of like how quick you can change the mindset on something yeah if you change the word problem to opportunity that's where you can focus on getting better instead of hanging your hat on what went wrong or you know why you're not going to win your next game and that's where you get into situations where people like make these predictions of this team's never going to win anything it's because that's the way you're thinking about it all you're seeing is problems instead of opportunities to improve and you can look at them the same way like missed free throws you can look at it as a problem or you can look at it as an opportunity there's an opportunity to get better that's the way i'd throw that out now when you're talking about positive takeaways one of them has to be jordan davis yeah 100 percent. this is jordan davis got he got taken out of the starting lineup um and was put back into the starting lineup with max klesman missing this game and just casually goes off for a career high 15 points jordan davis essentially scored one quarter of the badgers points Easily the most efficient player. In addition to his 15 points, he also had six rebounds. Three of them were offensive rebounds. And then he had an assist, a steal, and a block, and no turnovers. Great game from Jordan Davis. That's a a great game, man. Definitely his best game as a Badger, I would say. I would 100% agree. And if, if that's something that Jordan Davis can build confidence off of, then that's definitely a positive takeaway. Isaac said, Wisconsin basketball, I'm not worried about. They've been very competitive every game. And that's the thing. Like, the Badgers are 19-6 and six now in games decided by six points or fewer in the last two seasons. Mm. And that's – it's going to be that style of play, and it's what it is. And like Jake said, you know, free throws is an opportunity to win games even. You don't even have to look at it as an opportunity to improve. That's an opportunity to win games. The Badgers lost this game by three points and miss seven free throws. That's an opportunity to win a game, not just to improve. Um, I still got to say it. Like, it's – Tyler Wall has elite footwork. It's so impressive. Like, that's that's, – I think that might be my favorite part about Tyler Wall's game is how how efficient and how proficient he is with his footwork in the paint. That's elite. He definitely has, I don't want to say like a negative word, but he has like a kind of like an awkward approach, I'd say. But then all of a sudden, like, you know how people used to treat Jordy Nelson like, oh, shit, he's fast. Like, he's fast, fast, right? Like, Tyler Wall, I feel like when he's driving, it's kind of awkward. But then, like, all of a sudden he does like a move and you're like, oh, shit, that was actually re- – that was a nice move, bro. Like he's, like, he's shifty. He's crafty. Like, like you don't expect that from him, I guess I'll say. Which I don't know sounds sounds mean and degrading I guess but I don't mean it that way but you know he gets the ball and he coming from the three point line he does like a spin euro step like lefty finish and I'm like where the hell did that come from dude <laughs> I like how he pivots like six times and then still finds a way to get a wide open layup out of it yeah how your anxiety level has to be like a thousand at that point like I don't know how many more pivots I got but one of these is gonna work yeah, as long as I'm keeping that same foot down. Um, Isaac said Connor Asijan has been playing well. He has been playing well overall. He did struggle in this game specifically, um, and I don't think that's something that's going to be a long-term problem for Connor Asijan. I think he'll bounce back, so I'm not worried about him. Um, It's just another game where the batters were, you know, able to get some stops and couldn't get some scores, and, you know, it's going to need some efficiency 
Uh, they're going to need a little bit more from the bench, in my opinion. Only seven bench points in this game. I think it's worth bringing up. But yeah, I don't know. Is there is there really anything else you want to bring up? I mean, no. Let's give a shout out to Mikey real quick though, because when we did the the Badger primer, he talked about depth being uh, maybe a problem this season. So just want to give a shout out to Mikey for calling that out because you know right now it's kind of showing its head. But you know, like we've said before, um, this is just. It's time for, for guys to step up, take bigger roles, and, you know, they're they're going to have to learn on the fly. Like, there, there's no way around it this season. Um, so, Asijin, he's learning right now. He'll get he'll get there. I have absolutely zero worries about Connor. Yeah. Um, he's a freshman. He's playing in, what, his, like, 15th game? So, he'll be fine. 16? Um, so, the Badgers play Maryland tonight in Maryland. They traveled from um, Illinois to Maryland on Monday night. And then Saturday, they have a rematch at home with Illinois. What do you got for a record for the week? What was that? What do you got for a record for this week with Maryland tonight and Illinois on Saturday? Oh man, the way that they're playing, Maryland's still a decent team. Um, I will say one and one. Which one you got them winning, and which one you got them losing? I got them losing to Maryland, sadly. But I think they, I, and I think they would have beat Illinois. I mean, it doesn't matter what I fucking think, but I think they would have beat Illinois if Tyler Wall played in that first one, anyways. But yeah. I'm I'm gonna say one and one as well. I'm gonna I'm gonna say they bounce back tonight and they beat Maryland. I think Maryland's a little bit similarly overachieving. I think they're they're not as good as their record would suggest that they are, um, which I'm sure is, is the way that some people feel about the Badgers. I actually think it's gonna be a pretty even match, mm-hmm. but I do think the Badgers will bounce back and win tonight. And while Saturday is certainly a winnable game and we'll see if the dude that shoots like 30% from three goes off for <laughs> right, six dude. seven again, but barring that and Tyler wall playing, it'd be nice to get Max Klesman back either tonight or Saturday, but um, I'm going to say one and one with Maryland and Illinois. Yeah. 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 I'm with that. All right. You got anything else you want to say about the Badgers before we move into bucks? No, it'd be nice if they won two games. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's certainly capable. There's, there's oh, certainly just because Jake and I are each predicting one and one doesn't mean we don't think the Badgers can go two and all because they certainly can. I agree. It just comes down to improving the things they need to improve on and just getting it done. So let's switch to Bucks. Give me your power pair and underrated performer. I know we have some overlap here because there's only two games, so a little bit fewer options to choose from. But mm-hmm. give me your power pair and your underrated performer. So for power pair, uh, first guy I picked was uh, Bobby Portis. Sad news on Bobby Portis today, but hopefully he can, you know, heal up and get better. Um, Tyler will have the the full injury report for you. Uh, Bobby averaged 20 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists. He shot 61% from the field, 64% from the three-point line. He ended the week at a plus one. Um, uh, I also have Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez was just – did his thing, man. He had four blocks in that game against the Cavs, which we're going to talk about. Um, he had averaged 15.5 points, four and a half rebounds. He averaged three blocks because he had six on the week. Um, he shot 50% from the field. Did not shoot the three ball well. Was 2 of 12 this week. But, uh, you know, without Giannis and, you know, Middleton came back. So, I mean, I expect those numbers to, to even out and 
he'll shoot his his high 30s. Uh, but he ended the week at a plus 19. So still very efficient, even without Giannis and Middleton in the first game. And then you get to Pat Connaughton. Wait till you hear his plus minus, buddy. Um, mm. He averaged 10 point, 10.5 points, four and a half rebounds, two and a half assists. He shot 50% from the field, five of 11 behind the arc, 45%. And he ended the week at a plus 40. Damn. He was fucking plus 39 against the Pistons. And he scored six points. Damn. Yeah, bro. Wow. Plus when 39. I... Holy shit. He's, he shot the ball three times. And he was <laughs> plus 39. Damn. That's, that means that the lineup that he was with was playing some fucking defense. Well, I mean, well, and offense too, because I mean he started alongside Giannis. True. Um, I want to look it up. Plus 40. I was like, what? That's nuts. Plus 39 <laughs> in one game. I yeah, just want to look and see if that was the team high from Monday night's game. I think it was. I mean. I can't imagine anybody being higher than plus 39. That's bonkers. Here we go. We got the box score. Yep. He's he's the highest by a lot. Oh, yeah. Grayson Allen and Giannis were both plus 26. Drew Holiday yep. was plus 24. Brooke was plus 15. And Bobby was plus 16. Plus 39, dude. Wow. He shot the ball three times. That is ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. Oh, good for him. <laughs> All right. Well, I also had Bobby Portis in my power pair. I also had Pat Connaughton as my underrated performer. But my other power pair player is Drew Holiday, uh, who was named Eastern Conference Player of the Week, actually, mm-hmm. for the last week, going from last Tuesday to this Tuesday. Yes, sir. Um, in the two games, Drew averaged 22 points, eight and a half assists, four rebounds, was 49% from the field. And, and I'm going to bring this up again because it's basically just become one of my calling cards. Drew Holiday did not turn the ball over once against Detroit. Wow. We had 19 Zero turnovers against Detroit. Uh, never mind. I'm getting ahead of myself. Wow. Zero from Drew. Wow. I know. That's crucial. Very nice. So, Jake kind of mentioned it already. Bobby Portis was diagnosed with an MCL sprain towards the end of that Detroit game. I think it was in the either the late third quarter or the early fourth quarter. Um, yeah. Bobby Portis was standing on his toes, and he got his heel stepped on, and it twisted his leg. Um, so, he has an MCL sprain. He's going to be reevaluated in two weeks. So, I just want to know. I'm kind of curious. What do you think is going to be the biggest change to the Bucks team in those two weeks plus that Ooh. Bobby Portis is absent? I'll put on the spot question live on Wisco Fanatics. We're going to see how I react. So, one, I'm not super worried with Giannis being back and Middleton being back. That's two big forwards that could fill that void immediately. One specific player that I'm thinking of. There's two guys I could think of. First of all, I could I could see us moving everybody down, you know, like putting Giannis at the at the center and going playing small ball um, and giving Marjan some more minutes on the floor. Or I could see us, you know, giving Mamu some more minutes on the floor. He's been been hooping for the herd, man. I don't know. I I just checked the box scores randomly the other day, and I was like, oh, shit, man. He's balling. He had like like 30 30 points and 12 assists or whatever the other day. And I was like, God damn. It's a pretty good from the big fella. Yeah, either Mamu or Marjan getting a few minutes. Um, Definitely less minutes for Nawara. 
<laughs> we'll get we'll get into that. Just hold the hold the Marjan Nawara thing for just Maybe a minute. My friend, that's a good frozen. Kiss. What was that? I said, just hold on to the Nora Marjan conversation for okay. just a minute. Okay. <laughs> um, no, the guy that I'm really thinking of that's going to be the most affected by this, I think, is Joe Ingles, actually. Oh, okay. I think it's possible that if Middleton's not going to be back in the starting lineup, which we won't know. Time of the Bucks play. They play at 630 or 7. I don't know off the top of my head. They're they're at home. Seven. So it's probably seven. Seven. Okay, so we won't know probably until about 530 mm-hmm. if Middleton's going to be in the starting lineup or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he's not and they're looking for somebody to start in place of him, it'll probably be Connaughton for now. And they'll probably just move Giannis to that power forward position. But I do think when it comes to minutes, I think it's going to be – yeah, Tim said it's seven. Um, I do think it's going to be Joe Ingles picking up a big chunk of those minutes. I'm okay with that, bro. He's been he's been shooting. Dude, I, I, dude he's been dishing too. Fucking hey, dude. We're he seeing f- the Swiss Army knife Joe Ingles. Bro, he had a behind-the-back step back. I said, oh, shit, I didn't even know that was in your <laughs> bag, dog. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so – Let's get into – all right, we need to do this. All right, now I'm sitting back. This is you. This is you, bro. <laughs> I I'm, I just wanted to take a few deep breaths so that I don't scream at people. Can we, as Bucks fans collectively, like can we just – can we just up our knowledge as a fan base, please? I'm sick of being on Twitter and seeing all these dumbass claims that people make based on emotion and not evidence and making Bucks fans look stupid. It's seriously, it bothers me that people aren't just using their heads when it comes to talking about things. And the main thing that I'm seeing right now is people complaining about Marjan Bochamp not playing enough and three reasons being brought up with it. One, first one is Jordan Laura playing more minutes than Marjan. And I get being frustrated by that. But listen, we are two weeks, two weeks away. Tomorrow, two weeks from tomorrow is the trade deadline. We are two weeks away from the trade deadline. I would be willing to bet up to probably $1,000 that Jordan Laura will not be on this team Come the trade deadline. Um, so that's that. We're talking about Jordan Laura either trying to squeeze out the last bit of potential that there's potentially of like left in him, or raising his trade value. I'm predicting that it's the latter, and that Jordan Laura is going to be on the move. Secondly, that Budenholzer doesn't know how to develop young players. How many opportunities has he had? You know, Marjan Bochamp's only the second first round pick that the Bucks have had since Budenholzer's been the coach. And in 2020, they didn't even have any draft picks. There's, they didn't even have their second round pick because it got forfeited for tampering with Boyan Bogdanovich. I remember that, actually. And then that so, bastard didn't even come here. <laughs> exactly. Well, we ended up getting Drew Holiday on the same night. So yeah, true. But, like, last year, we had... Why am I drawing a blank on last year? We had Mamu and uh, 
the Greece guy, I forgot his name. That's oh, Kalatsakis. That guy. Um, so we're looking at basically the only guys that are really left on the team from draft picks um, is Mamu, Jordan Wara, AJ Green, and Marjan Bochamp. We have Hugo Vassan, but he's stashed abroad playing overseas. Yep. How many chances has Budenholzer had to develop players? I'm not even defending Budenholzer. I'm just strictly talking from evidence here. I don't even give a shit what you think about Budenholzer in this situation. But we're looking strictly <laughs> at evidence. Like I'm not, I'm not here to defend Budenholzer. I'm just ser- like seriously, I want to know what the evidence is that Budenholzer doesn't know how to develop rookies because he's had nothing but second rounders since he's been here. Like you, like you realize that that doesn't make sense. Same with the 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 claim that Budenholzer doesn't play rookies or he has something against rookies. Like, what rookies do you think have been deserving of a whole bunch of playing time? I just mentioned there's like basically five guys. I mean, the only one you could think of is Marjan, really. Exactly. Because you, so Mamu's still raw. Exactly. He's got he's got work to do defensively. Yes. So basically really no chances for Budenholzer to have even developed a first-round pick for people to be making the claim that he doesn't know how or that he doesn't play rookies. Now, if you want an example of can Budenholzer develop rookies, go back to look at his days in Atlanta. Look at two of the first-round picks that he had while he was there. Dennis Schroeder and John Collins. John Collins is a pretty good basketball player. Short Very athletic. He's got you know he's got his shortcomings, but he's a pretty solid basketball player, and he's still around the league making you know twenty five million a year. Look at Dennis Schroeder. That dude had his basically his two best seasons playing under Budenholzer. That's true. Um, the other first round draft pick that he had was DeAndre Bembry, who was like the twenty first pick I think in two thousand sixteen, and he was a pretty solid three and D guy for a while. He was all right. Yeah. So, I mean, the claim that Budenholzer doesn't know how to develop people, that's literally just a claim that people are making on based on emotion of not liking Budenholzer. I'd agree with that. It's an emotional reaction. Now, this one, this is the one that makes me the most mad. <laughs> people claiming that if Giannis was a rookie this season, that Budenholzer wouldn't play him. Giannis was a rookie in 2013. Marjan is a rookie in 2023. Look at the fucking states of the franchise in that decade. Marjan is playing on a team that has an MVP, two all-defensive players, another all-star, all in the starting lineup. Bucks didn't have any of that shit 10 years ago. And three all-stars. The Bucks 10 years ago were trying to win 20 games in a season and didn't get there. Bro, we, the Bucks won 15 fucking games in a season. I remember that. Oh shit, I'll, they're playing the rookie the entire game. What no. do they have to lose? Nothing, because they lost 67 fucking games that season. It's true. That happened. God damn, it's so dumb that people are like, oh, if Giannis was a rookie, Budenholzer wouldn't play him this year. He probably wouldn't if we had fucking 2013 KD on our roster. It's and true. And 2013 Drew Holiday, who was an all-star that year. True. And pick, take your pick of good two guards. Like, if we had, say, Drew Holiday, Joe Johnson, and 
and Kevin Durant on our team, would we really be complaining that our number 15 pick wasn't playing that much? Or would we be focused on winning championships? I guess that's a question you have to ask yourself. <laughs> I mean, just look at the state of the franchise from the season that Giannis was a rookie and the season that Marjan is a rookie. Like, it's, oh, my fucking God, it's not hard. Yeah, it's... So, the claims about Marjan Bochamp just be a little bit fucking patient. I know it's hard because I've seen people be impatient and I know that we live in the instant gratification world and all that, but it is what it is. So let's rip through these. Let's get through this Cavaliers game. And then we got the Pistons game. So what did you see from the Cavaliers game that stood out to you? Um, well, congratulations to uh, Isaac's boy Mobley for finally showing up for the first time in his career. Um, he decided to actually score the ball like he was supposed to. Um, he had a good game. Not trying to throw shade, just a little salty. Um, if Giannis was in there, though, I'm telling you right now, I think he was getting all those layups, boy. <laughs> it would be, ain't he be having to guard somebody all night? Drew Holiday actually guarded him for two minutes and 42 seconds. No, he only guards point guards. Didn't you see? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He Especially when they go off. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, he, he only and he only guards the shooting guards when they're scoring. He, he yeah, doesn't guard yep. them at any other time. Yeah, only when they're scoring. I'm like. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But anyways, um, the problem with this game to me, the, the, the biggest problem was the ball movement. Um, like I told you uh, earlier, um, it felt like some people had sticky fingers. I mean, if you just look at the bench, um, I counted last night when I was when I was looking, looking stuff up again. I believe the bench only had 14 total shots, and they made six of them. So when the bench is coming in, they're not being effective. So, I mean, that's – It's a little under 50. That's, that's okay. That's okay, but I, the, the shot attempts is what really gets me because Drew Holiday shot 27 times, I believe. Um, so, I mean, I expect was player of the week, so it is what it is. But um, I just – I wanted more ball movement. And we'll get into the Pistons game and see the difference the difference it makes in body language and people wanting to guard and people running harder on offense when everybody's touching the basketball, right? And – me going from the Cavaliers game to the Pistons game, now I understand that there's levels, right? And the Pistons and the Cavaliers are no fucking way in the same realm, right? The Pistons are the worst team in the East right now, one of the worst teams in the NBA. They're injured. One of their best players is injured. Um, they got some nice end pieces, though. I will say that. Yeah, that Duran kid, he might turn into something. But uh, yeah. we'll talk about that in a little bit. But we just we, we missed Giannis's pace on offense. We missed his presence on defense because it felt like they had a fucking layup line all goddamn night. That was so yeah. goddamn annoying. 66 um, to 44 points in the paint. Yeah, and then you look at their assist numbers, 33 to 24. We had 16 turnovers. They had nine. So they were really making one or two passes, getting to the fucking rim, and it was just so goddamn annoying. But it is what it is, man. It is what it is. So for this game, things that stood out to me, one, Bobby Portis started off five for five. True. And before he got his first miss, Cavs uh, made a 13-2 run that ended with a Seti Osman miss three, followed his shot, and got his own rebound, and made a layup out of it. That's just the kind of stuff. Those are the kind of lapses that just can't happen. Um, Bucks cut the lead to three at halftime. They just they kind of kept pace with the second half, but they just really couldn't get ahead. And it wasn't really anything massively particular except points in the paint. That was really the biggest difference. Um, fundamental failures. One missed free throw, 21 points off turnovers, which is high. 
but only 11 second chance points, which is a little bit you know below where I'd like them to be. So that's good. 33 fundamental failure points. That's right on their average. So you know it's it's just little things. I mean, Bobby Portis had another double double with 23 and 11. Drew Holiday had another double double with 28 and 10. With Drew Holiday, it's just the six turnovers in this game. That's that's what it comes down to for me is just yeah. paying attention. Like Drew is our primary point guard. Mm-hmm. He's got to take better care of the ball. He's got to be an example for taking care of the ball. I agree. So that's you know that's where I'm looking at with um with Drew Holiday. But that's that's pretty much it. I mean, the, the let's just go to the Pistons game. Talk about the parallels from the two games that you noticed from the things that stood out to you. So the last thing I said was the Bucks missed Giannis's pace on offense. <laughs> Clearly, if you watch this game, the guy oh, was setting oh, the pace man. on offense. 20 points, 6 of 6 in the first quarter. Holy camoly. I was like, oh, there back. it is. Yes. I miss you saying holy camoly. It's been a while. And bringing it back, baby. Um, <laughs> I was like, no, okay, real talk. I'm, try- I'm trying. I'm working on not swearing again. But <laughs> this time it's going to stick. <laughs> you know, I was watching the game and Giannis makes a layup. Giannis gets to the free throw line. Giannis again. Giannis, I'm like, welcome back, guy. And then he's <laughs> he taking catch and shoot threes and he walks into a dribble pull up and does a heat check and he cashes that too. And it's just like, okay, well. He, he was he was everything in the first quarter. He he was what we missed in the Cavs game. Exactly yeah. what I said. Um, and the ball movement. This game. I'm going to tell you, I know that we had 19 turnovers. We were still in it up two to one with the assist to turnover ratio. Um, this was the best ball movement I think I've seen the Bucks this this season. For a um, complete game, I would agree. Yeah, not not just like for like the totality of the, of the assist number. I'm right. going to ignore that. But just seeing guys pass the ball, move the ball around. I saw it in a couple groups, and I wanted to bring this up. Um, I wrote this down. I put a star next to it. I saw people still talking about trading Grayson Allen. I'm going to tell you something. I don't want to. Grayson was fucking fantastic against the Detroit Pistons. Tell he me defended. Where. Yeah. He he passed the ball well. Yeah. He he dribbled he was dribbling and driving to the rim. Yes, I mean, that's it. He 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 was everywhere, dude. And he doesn't even have to have big scoring numbers. And that's what really for the last couple of seasons that's, that's the thing that really bothers me is when I'm having discussions with people and you could tell the people that just look at the box scores, right? And they're going to yeah. see Grayson. What did he have? He had he had single digits, right? He had nine. Yeah, eight. nine points, five nine. assists, three rebounds, three steals, one block, one turnover. The guy was everywhere, you know. And, and if you watch this game and you really watch this game as like a basketball fan, you're like, damn man, Grayson Allen's having a good fucking game, you know. I just wanted to give credit to Grayson for that. Um, shout out to Giannis for doing what he does. Um, so nice to see Chris Middleton hitting a fucking three-pointer, dude. I was like, good yeah. God. Yeah, there goes the swearing right away. Um, good God. <laughs> I was waiting for that. That was felt so yes. good to see. Um, 23 made threes, 52 attempts. We shot 20 more three-pointers than the Pistons. That is insane, dude. <laughs> Anyways, I'm gonna let you take the floor now. So the Bucks scored 49 points in the first quarter. That's their highest scoring quarter of the season. They scored yeah. 83 points in the first half. That's their highest scoring half this season. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we didn't even mention this went really under the radar, but Javon Carter scored 18 points in this game. He made six threes. Javon Carter did. Javon Carter made six threes on eight attempts. He, he had so, really good rhythm. So you mentioned the Bucks made 23 three pointers. How many players do you think made at least one three? What did you say? How many players do you think made a three-pointer out of the 23? And you know Javon Carter made six. I'm going to say eight. Nailed it. Attaboy. Eight different players made a three for the Bucks in this game. So the Bucks came out of the third quarter a little sloppy on shot selection, to be honest with you. I think that's... Something when they're playing with big leads, their shot selection tends to get a little iffy. So I think that's something that's an opportunity for them to work on going forward. Um, it was good to see Chris Middleton playing. He, he didn't look timid or shy coming back from his injury. Um, he looked like himself. He was hunting shots, looking to get ball to his teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did have six turnovers. One of them was the first time he touched the ball. He turned and start, went to start his dribble and immediately got acquainted with the NBA's new emphasis on calling travels. It's been an emphasis since like November for the NBA's uh, calling travels. And Chris Middleton got to find that out right away. Uh, Courtney says, Hey guys. Hi. Anyway. <laughs> um, so Middleton got you know acquainted with that right away. And then one of the other turnovers that he had was um, he went and got an offensive rebound. And then as he was going to collect it, like right by the sideline, he stepped on the out-of-bounds line. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it wasn't like he was just out there throwing bad passes and stuff like that, getting turnovers and stuff. Um, Right, right. He finished with eight points. He made two threes, like Jake said, and he had four assists. Um, The two rebounds, like I said, both were offensive rebounds. One of them, (laughs) one of them, this has annoyed me, and I know I texted you about it. Yeah. Was Middleton's driving in transition, passes the ball to Jordan Moore, a wide open for three. Moore misses it. Middleton gets the offensive rebound, kicks it back to Nora, who misses another three. It's like, damn. You can't miss the two for a dollar shot, man. They're both wide open, too. That's like against all basketball laws. Like, you can't do that. Oh, I know. Man. It's like we're trying to get your trade value up, and you're not helping. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we're just going to have to get rid of you. <laughs> um, the Bucks had 115 points and 30 assists at the end of the third quarter already. Yeah, that's... We were smacking the hell out of them, dude. <laughs> um, I do also want to give Wesley Matthews credit. He hit the 11,000-point mark in this game as well. And when I brought up Javon Carter, I wanted to say something, and that I think is with the Bucks being healthy and now down Bobby Portis, mm-hmm. I think we're going to get to a point where we start to see guys playing their more defined roles. It's so like Javon Carter being the backup point guard, Joe Ingles being the Swiss Army knife. Um, Pat Con- Pat Connaughton and Bobby Portis being the sixth men um, off the bench. And now we're going to have to be a little more crafty with the lineups, which is a challenge for Budenholzer to figure that out while Bobby Portis is out for the next couple of weeks. But, um, you know, that's mm-hmm. something we'll have to figure out. Um, this was also the fifth game that the Bucks had double-digit steals this season. So that was good to see as well. Um, oh, yeah. The stat that Isaac gave us, I don't know if Isaac's still watching, but Isaac gave us a stat the other day. This is the most points that Detroit has allowed since 1988. Yep. That's a lot of points to give up, 150. 
Um, I think the I think in 1988 they gave up 152. I think I remember hearing as hmm. well. So we All were right. we were this close, this close. Nice. So I want to bring up just basically just the numbers real quick. Javon Carter had the 18 points. He also had three assists, three rebounds, and three steals. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drew Holiday had 16 points, seven assists, four rebounds, two steals, zero turnovers. That's my guy, Drew. Yes, sir. Grayson Allen, we kind of mentioned already, he was all over the stat sheet. Bobby Portis, another double-double, 18 points, 10 rebounds, and three assists. I mean, really just the Bucks firing on all cylinders when they're healthy. This is that this is the title contending Bucks team that we've been wanting to see, and we haven't seen it all season. This was actually the first game that Joe Ingles and Chris Middleton have played in together. Hey, that's that was a good one. I am very mad I didn't bring that up. <laughs> that was yeah, a good one. Ahead. Um, so the Bucks play tonight against Denver, Friday in Indianapolis against the Pacers. They play Sunday at home against New Orleans, and then Tuesday at home against Charlotte. I think I'm gonna go a four and a week on the Bucks. Four and all. I think I'm gonna go four and all. I don't think they're gonna lose at home to Denver. Like Jokic is an absolute baller, but we have healthy Brooke Lopez. Okay. So I like healthy Brooke Lopez. Giannis is back with a vengeance okay. and an opportunity to show, you know, an MVP case against another MVP contender. Mm-hmm. Indianapolis, I'm not worried about the Pacers. Um, you know, even on the road. The Pelicans, the Pelicans are a solid team. That's if I had to say three and one, like the Pelicans are one that I could see. Yeah, they uh, kind Brandon of Ingram is gonna be back for the Pelicans soon. True. Um and then they play Tuesday against Charlotte. I would like to see the Bucks reverse their blowout that they had against Charlotte the last time they played. And I'd like to see the Bucks beat the Hornets by like 30 and really just wash that last loss out. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say a four and a week for the Bucks. I think they're I think they're due to go on a winning streak. God, you know, you know how badly I want to say four and all, dude, but I God, I just I can't overlook Denver. They're number one in the West right now. Hilkich is back-to-back MVP looking to be three straight right now, honestly. If the season ended like today, he'd win the MVP right now. Um, God, I'm going to – God damn it. I'm going to say three and one. I have to. It, that's what my gut's telling me. I'm going to say three and one. All right. Well, when the pack or when the, when the Bucks beat the Nuggets tonight, I'll at you. You better – everybody at me. All right. Is there anything else you want to say about the Bucks? Um, shout out Marjan for the sick dunk, man. That was lit. Mm. He actually hurt his wrist on that. He was questionable tonight with a wrist contusion because of that. <laughs> Imagine dunking on somebody so bad you're questionable the next game. Oof. Imagine dunking Oof. so hard that you bruise your wrist. Yeah, when I was a little kid. Do that. Cody says Bucks and six. Um, just Third. one last bit of basketball news, real quick, before we bring in Simon and Bryant. Uh, Max Klesman has been ruled out for tonight for the Badgers, so no Max Klesman for the Badgers. So that is a bummer. So, gonna need guys uh, like Connor Sejan, Isaac Lindsay, some more Chucky Hepburn step up. So that's where we're at. All right, you ready to review? You ready to review some Packers? Yeah, man. Tell, right, tell me I'm, good. I'm pulling up the stats right now. I'm going to bring in Simon and Bryant. 
Against my better judgment. <laughs> yeah, he was, Bill. Oh, God. Not these guys. I know. This feels weird. We get you guys on a Wednesday afternoon instead of a Friday night. What's up, guys? All right. You guys ready to do this? Ready to see who was right, who was wrong, who was really wrong? Yes. I'm always wrong. Just ask my girlfriend. Yeah. Well, yeah. Could have told you that. She'll tell you. She will. We can't hear you, Simon. <laughs> Probably My bad. I muted myself. <laughs> I asked if we shared the same girlfriend. <laughs> no, uh, never mind. Don't don't start that. You're gonna get me in trouble, bro. She watches Wednesday. <laughs> she watches on Wednesdays. Now I'm well, gonna get yelled at right now. Oh, that's awkward. Here we go. Uh, it's only weird if you make it weird. It's weird. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to jump. I was just going to start with this. So I'm going to give our, our consensus numbers and yep. compare them to where the numbers ended at the regular season. Um, so for stat projections, and if this is something that people enjoyed that we did, uh, we can do more of them next year. We could try to do the whole roster and maybe kind of do that as a little bit more segmented stuff. But coming into this season, we did Aaron Rodgers passes, uh, completions and attempts, percentage, yards, touchdowns, and interceptions. For Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, we did carries, yards, um, touchdowns, and then receptions, targets, yards, and touchdowns for receiving. And then we did Alan Lazard, um, Christian Watson, and Romeo Dobbs, their receptions, targets, yards, and touchdowns. And for defense, we did Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, and Rasul Douglas. I'm going to skip Eric Stokes because he tore his ACL in the middle of the season. Um, we did Devondre Campbell, Rashawn Gary, and Kenny Clark. Two out of those, two out of the three of those guys also got injured. But I'm just going to run through the guys who we we have more of a full season on, and compare them to what the real ones were, and then we'll go and we'll see we'll see who was closest. You know. <laughs> Pretty close in some of these on my projections looking back at him. I just looked at Kenny Clark's too. I was two tackles off and a sack off. Mm. Okay. All right. Shut up, Simon. Yep. <laughs> I was going to say something. I paused for a second too. And listen. It's not my fault. That's what they call it, okay? There's not one, but two 69 references baked into our consensus rankings that there's no possible way that between the four of us making projections, we could have done that on purpose. Yeah, because true. the four of us combined projected Rodgers for a 69.4 completion percentage <laughs> on the season. <laughs> he finished 64.6. Now, this Oof. like Aaron Rodgers did deal with thumb and wrist injuries or thumb and rib injuries at points. And, you know, we saw a little bit of Jordan Love in some of the games, but we had Aaron Rodgers projected for 354 completions on 510 attempts. We were only off by four on the completions. He completed 350 passes. We had 354 on 510 attempts. He threw 542. So we were pretty close on that. I, I was a master. I had 350. Nice. That a boy. All right. I'll yeah, give you. Let's, off on the let's do the consensus ones. I'll let you brag in a minute when we do <laughs> when we do them individually. Um, we had him projected for 4,153 yards. That was probably inflated by me. I think I had him predicted for a bigger yardage season this year, but. Um, he had 36.95. Again, I think that probably would have been a little higher, you know, when we talk about things like drops 
injuries, stuff like that. Um, we had him for 36 touchdowns, which I know is something that I had him higher for. Um, he finished with 26 touchdowns, and we had him for five and a half interceptions, and he threw 12, which is rough. But, you know, some of it was just chucking out balls just to try to make something happen. But it is what it is. Yeah. For Aaron Jones, we had 178 carries projected. He finished with 213 Jesus for 1,121 yards. We had him at 868, and I know I was higher on this than you guys. You guys had a lot of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon closer to 50-50, and yeah. I did not. So that'll be one that I get on. We had him projected for seven and a half touchdowns. He only had two, which is a bummer. We had him for five and a half receiving touchdowns, which we were really close on. Um, we had him for 68 receptions. He finished with 59 on 83 targets. He had 72. So we were pretty close on Aaron Jones. Had he not been banged up, we probably would have been pretty spot on with that as well. Mm -hmm. uh, for 563 receiving yards, he had 395. So we were pretty close on some of Aaron Jones' receiving stats. As far as A.J. Dillon, we had him for 208 carries as a consensus. He had 186. Uh, we had him for 938 yards. That's a lot. Um he finished with 770, five and a half touchdowns. He had seven, so a little under on the touchdowns. Um, receptions, we had him for 43 receptions on 52 targets. He had he had 28 on 43, so we're pretty low on that. I think I was closer on it, but neither here nor there. For 421 yards, he finished with 206. Another three touchdowns, which he did not have any receiving touchdowns, which is what it is with Aaron or with A.J. Dillon. But yeah, um, Cody said outside Dylan, we didn't really try to run Jones into the end zone that much this year, did we? Um, Aaron Jones, he only had like three carries inside the five the entire season. Oh, well, I was uh, I brought that stat up at like, you know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details near the end of the season it was like, it was like, like a disgustingly low amount of attempts in inside like the five and ten it was like 12 yeah 12 red zone or like 12 carries inside the five or something like that yeah see i hate that Oof. like it, if it we're was gonna do really those shotgun disgustingly runs, low if we're gonna do the shotgun runs i think that's got to be the aaron you know aaron jones and then if we you know if you're gonna put dylan in there just 
freaking line up an eye and run the damn ball. So for the three receivers that we did, we did Alan Lazard, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs. Uh, this is the other 69 reference that we had. We had we had Alan Lazard projected for 69 receptions on 105 targets. He had 60 on 100. We were pretty damn close on Alan Lazard, so good job to us for that. We had him projected for nine or 872 yards. He finished with 788, so we're not too far off on that. And we had him for eight touchdowns. He had six. So, I mean, we were pretty actually pretty spot on with, with Alan Lazard's numbers, I would say, as a consensus. Uh, for Christian Watson, we had 32 on 51 targets. He finished with 41 on 66. Um, so he was a little ahead of us there. We had him for 496 yards. He had 611. And we had him for four touchdowns, and he finished with seven plus two rushing touchdowns. So Watson outperformed our projections for him as a rookie season. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to Romeo Dobbs, who I'm still – Bummed that he got injured in the middle of the season. Shouts out to Kirby Joseph. I hope you are minorly inconvenienced every day until the season starts. <laughs> we had projected for 30 receptions on 51 targets. He had 42 receptions on 67 targets. We had him for three touchdowns. He had three touchdowns. We had him for 392 yards, and he had 425. So let's look at offense. Let's see who was the closest on a lot of these things. And we'll start with Aaron Rodgers um, for. Hey, hold, hold on one second. You guys want to hear something really disgusting? Go ahead. Aaron Jones in the red zone this year, 31 rushing attempts for one <laughs> average pay 1.8 yards <laughs> per carry Ooh. and two touchdowns. <laughs> oh that's rough. Uh, I was having ideal. a good day. <laughs> Oh, that's not. That's what I'm here for, guys. I'm here for uh, a hard hitting stats. For building resilience. <laughs> Oof. That is. That's, that's rough. Yeah. All right. So for Aaron Rodgers for completions, he had 350. Bryant did have 350. Uh, Jake had 355. So Jake was only off by five. I had 375. <laughs> I apparently had Aaron Rodgers doing a much higher completion percentage. Um, Simon had 335. So he was a little bit below. So. Um, attempts, I had 540, so I was only off by two on Rogers' attempts, so I was good on that one. Um, Jake had 490, Simon had five, Simon had 480, Bryant had 530. So Jake and Simon apparently didn't think that Rogers was throwing a lot of passes this year, which, based on the roster construction, I understand. For touchdowns, we all had them in the 30s, I had them at 40. Jake at 37, Bryant at 34, Simon at 32. So Simon was the closest at 32, uh, two Rodgers at 36. Um, Jake only had Rodgers at four interceptions. The rest of us had six. Obviously, he doubled that to 12, which is a bummer, but that's really more of an anomaly outlier type season for interceptions for Rodgers. But going to Aaron Jones. Let's go to Aaron Jones's projections for attempts. You guys are dicks. I'm not going to lie. You I think it, Dylan should have ran more. Bryant had him for 160 carries. Jake and Simon both had him for 175. I had him for 200. He had 213. For yards? <laughs> Damn, Bryant. Bryant had him at, Bryant had him was, at 800, I, car- 800 you yards. you got to look at my reception number projections because I, I really thought I was, was high on his receptions, yeah. too. I was hoping he was yeah. going to have like an Alvin Kamara type season. Um. 
Bryant had him at 800 yards. Jake had him at 822. Simon at 890. I had him at 960. He outperformed all of us and had 1,121. So he was above all of us on that. Touchdowns. I really thought Aaron Jones was going to have a better touchdown season. Um, Jake and Simon both had him at 7. Bryant at 6. Me at 10. And he finished two rushing. He did have seven receiving touchdowns, which I, you know, I had him at six. Jake had him at six. Bryant had him at six. Simon had him at four. We were all expecting a lot of Aaron Jones in the receiving game. And that shows by our reception numbers. Um, one of my bold predictions, and I think fully healthy would have been damn close, was I had Aaron Jones for 80 receptions this year. I was that was my bold prediction that Aaron Jones was going to have 80 receptions. Finished with 59 on 72 targets. Um, Simon had him at 73. So good on Simon for nearly correctly predicting Aaron Jones's uh, target numbers. Um, and then receiving yards, I had him definitely way higher than everybody else. But um, his receiving yards were pretty low. His yards per reception were only 6.7. So, um so, yeah, that's that. Getting into the wide receivers, Alan Lazard, we had um, targets. I had 115, Jake had 99, Bryant had 100, and Simon had 105. Alan Lazard did finish with 100, so good job on Bryant for getting that one right. For receptions, Simon predicted 69. <laughs> <laughs> Not surprisingly. Um, I predicted 80 for um, for Alan Lazard. Uh, Cody, Jake will be right back. He's just trying to refresh his internet. Um, Jake had him for 60. He finished the season with – I had it up right here. Receptions. He finished with 60. So Jake correctly predicted his number of receptions, so good for Jake. For yards, I had him at 920. Simon at 897. Bryant at 950. And Jake at 720. Uh, he finished with 788, so Jake was probably the closest on that. But um, we, I'm, we did pretty good on the rookies. Yep. I had Watson 41 receptions, and he finished with 41. He finished with 41. So sweet, <laughs> nailed that one on 70 targets. He had 66. Damn, I was really close on. Yeah, you were Watson. really close. Sweet. Um, See how long this lasts. And I had him for four touchdowns. He finished with seven plus the two rushing. And I had him for 560 yards. And he finished with 611. Simon had him at 602. So good on Simon. Simon was closest on um, Christian Watson's yards. Jake, explain yourself. You had Christian Watson 18 catches on 35 targets for 237 yards and three touchdowns. You know, man, coming into the season, I thought we were going to be a ground and pound. Obviously, you thought I was uh, pretty low on the pass attempts for Rodgers, which is why I was so low on the interceptions. True. I thought if, if he's going to throw the ball less, he's not going to turn the ball over much. He doesn't turn the ball over at all anyways. I thought we were really just going to be feeding the the two the two, two horses. That's fair. I understand. Um, Bryant was closest on touchdowns. He had Watson projected for five. He finished with seven. Uh, Romeo Dobbs. I had Romeo Dobbs projected 35 on 55. He finished with 42 on 67. Um, Jake had him at 36 catches, so Jake was the closest on catches. 
Um, targets, 67. Jake had him at 69. So Jake was pretty close on Romeo Dobbs' targets. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> if he was healthy all season, that number would be way higher. Probably oh, be in the 80s for receptions had he not missed a few games. But let's get into yards and touchdowns. Um, Bryant and I had him for three. Jake had him for five. Nope, sorry. Jake had him for four touchdowns. Simon had him for two. He finished with three. So Bryant and I were correct on that one. And then yards, I had him for 400. Jake for 413. Bryant for 330. Simon for 426. He finished with 425. So good job, Simon. Simon was only off by one yard. Um, (laughs) Damn, Um, Jake and I were both within 25 yards of the final tally. All right, let's go to the defensive side of the ball. So I'm gonna skip. I'm gonna skip Eric Stokes and I'm gonna skip Rashawn Gary. We would have been. It's so annoying because we would have been so close on it. Like I feel like we would have been really, really close on Rashawn Gary. Yeah, those are consensus on Gary. I'm gonna. I just wanna real quick. I'm gonna pull up like guys that we predicted so I can. uh, I think it was like half or something like that. Yeah, thirteen and a half consensus or fourteen or something. I, mean, I wish he was well on six when he got hurt. Looking so. at everybody's stats all at the same time. Okay, um, Rashawn Gary was at in nine games, had six sacks, so double that he would have been around twelve. Um, we had him consensus at fourteen. Mm, we would have been so close. Yeah, it would have been pretty close. So for Jair Alexander, uh. Eric Stokes and Rasul Douglas, we did passes, defense, interceptions, and tackles. And then for Devondre Campbell, we predicted passes, defense, tackles, and sacks. And then for Rashawn Gary and Kenny Clark, we did tackles for loss, total tackles, and sacks. So Jair Alexander, we had consensus, 13 passes, defense, two interceptions, and 56 tackles. Uh, He outperformed that. (laughs) He had five interceptions, passes, defense, uh, lost it here. 14. You had 14. Yep. So we were pretty close on that one. And then tackles, he had over here, he had 56. We were at 56. So, hey, good job, everybody. Nailed that one. Uh, Rasul Douglas, we had 16 passes defensed, four interceptions, 60 tackles. He finished. Four interceptions, so we got that one right. So good job, everybody, again. 13 passes defense. We had him at 16. We thought he was going to get thrown out a little bit more than Jair. Mm-hmm. So he was pretty close on passes defense. And then we had him for 60 tackles. He finished with 85 tackles. Holy shit. So Rasul Douglas was out here getting tackles. He played slot more than I thought he would at the beginning of the season. And he was yeah, supporting sure. the defense, our run game for sure. So, Devondre Campbell, like I said, we did passes, defense, tackles, and sacks. Devondre Campbell did miss some time with an injury. Um, so, we passes, defense, consensus, we had six. He finished with three. Um, tackles, we had him for 141. He finished with 96. Again, we would have expected these numbers to be higher. And then we had him for two and a half sacks, and he did not register any. But, again, injuries affected that. Um Rashawn Gary, essentially, we can kind of double these numbers, I guess, and get kind of close to where we would have been. Um, so in the nine games that he played, he had six sacks. We had him projected for 14 consensus. Double that, he'd be around 12 for the season, so we're kind of close on that. We had him for 52 and a half tackles. 
He had 32 in the nine games, so double that about 64. So we would have been pretty close on tackles, and we had him for 10 tackles for loss, and he was at seven. We had Tyler Mahan, sorry, and he was already at seven through nine games. So he would have beaten our tackles for loss numbers by a lot, which I think says a lot for Rashad and Gary getting better at defending the run as well as being a pass rusher. So I think that's a, a pretty good thing to throw out there with Rashawn Gary. Then lastly, Kenny Clark, we had tackles, tackles for loss and sacks. We had him projected for 49 and a half tackles. He finished with 53. So we were pretty close on that. We had him for eight and a half tackles for loss. He finished mm-hmm. with five. And then we had him for six sacks. He had four. So we were pretty close on that. And let's look at the numbers a little bit closer. Jair Alexander passes the fence. Jake and I had him at 12. Simon and Brian both had him at 14. I think we end up having a lot of these things were really, really close. Yeah. Terrible. But on passes the fence, Jair finished with 13. So right in the middle of all of us. Um, so it was good for us to nail that one. Interceptions. We all had Jair Alexander down for two interceptions. We, we all, I think, consensus didn't think Jair Alexander was going to get thrown at very much. And I think that reflected in his tackle numbers as well. Um, so passes defensed and then interceptions, he had five. So he outperformed all of us by more than double. And then tackles, I had him at 60. Um, Simon and Brian had him at 55. Jake had him at 52. He had 56. So Simon and Brian off by one, me off by four. And Jake off by four. So we're all really, really close on tackles for Jair Alexander. So good job, everybody, on that. Eric Stokes. I wish we could do Eric Stokes. I wish he got to play the whole season. It's a bummer that we didn't get to see that. But let's go to passes defense for Rasul Douglas. He finished with 13. I had him at 18. Simon had him at 14. So Simon's only off by one. Good job, Simon. And Bryant had him at 17. Jake had him at 13. Jake correctly predicted Rasul Douglas' passes defense. So good job, Jake. Uh, interceptions. Jake and Bryant both had him at four. Simon had him at three. I had him at six. Ooh. And he finished with four interceptions. So uh, good job, Jake and Bryant, for correctly predicting Rasul Douglas's interceptions. Jake apparently was just nailing the Rasul Douglas projection. So good job, Jake. That's where I am, boy. Rasul's my boy. Let's go to tackles. I get to flex on this one a little bit. Um, <laughs> Jake had him at 45. The four of us went 45, 55, 65, 75. Jake had him at 45, Simon at 55, Bryant at 65, me at 75. He finished with 85. I don't like when my DBs have to tackle people, man. I just don't (laughs) like it. But we've seen that a shit ton. I know. Two years ago, the first year we did the show, that like every game, Adrian Amos and Jair Alexander were the leading tacklers. I know, and our defense was dog shit. Exactly. Um, Devondre Campbell passes the fence. Jake and I had him at seven. Simon and Brian both had him at five. Um, he had, he had three in 13 games. So he plays the other four games. Maybe he gets a couple more. I think the biggest one out of those though, is the, definitely the one in the Tampa Bay game on the two point conversion. True. Yep. For tackles, Jake had him at 150. Bryant and I had him at 140. Simon had him at 133. He finished with 96. Again, that's just another one of those things where if he plays the whole game or the whole season, um, he's probably a lot closer to our numbers. And then with sacks, Jake and Bryant both had him at three. I had him at two and a half. Simon at two. Didn't finish with any. 
you know, if he plays the other four games, maybe he gets one and we're still a little bit high on it. But I guess we – I don't think we really expected Quay Walker to be blitzing as much as he did. I think we kind of figured that with Quay Walker being more of a coverage linebacker that Devondre Campbell might be the one turned loose on some pass rush a little bit more. But it almost seemed to be the opposite. I don't know if you guys all have any – rookie team, Quay Walker. Right? That's yes, what yes, all rookie team. I feel like it was more towards the end of the season too. Like they started kind of utilizing his ability to rush the passer a little bit. Sure. Um, Rashawn Gary, that's really kind of a tough one. Uh, Jake was definitely uh, hoping that Rashawn Gary was going to have a crazy sack season. Jake had him for 15 and a half. Um, Brian for 13 and a half. Simon for 15, me for 13. Um, He was on pace for about 12, so I would have been closest, but I would have been super happy to see Jake's total come to fruition. He did um, have six in his first six games. Right. Yep. So that's tough. And then with Kenny Clark. So tackles for loss, Kenny Clark had five. I had him down for 10. Jake for nine. Bryant for eight. Simon for seven. So Simon was the closest. Tackles. I had him pretty low on tackles. Um, I had him down for 45 tackles. I really thought he was going to be kind of a space taker and, and getting some sacks. Um. So Jake and Bryant both had him at 55. Simon had him at 43. I had him at 45. He finished with 53. So he was in between um, myself, Jake, and Bryant. Bryant and Jake were all off by two. So good job to you guys. And then for sacks, I had him at five and a half. Uh, Jake had him at seven. Simon at six. Bryant at five. He finished with four. So uh, Bryant was the closest, only off by one on sacks on Kenny Clark. So good job for that. But like I said, overall... I think we did pretty good. I'm not gonna lie, we we were pretty close on a lot of these. So I mean, like we might have to do the whole team next year, and we might have to post these because I think we were pretty close on a lot of these. I don't know if is there anything out of any of this that surprised the three of you when it comes to our projections, whether they were close, how far off they were, if there's things that you guys would have changed. Obviously, having the benefit of hindsight, but um, you know what what kind of things are you thinking based on our on our predictions that we made. I think we absolutely like nailed the rookie wide receivers. I thought that was good. I was like 26 yards off. Another one, you drilled like the number of receptions. You had 41. I had him at 39. I think Tyler had him at 41. I was nice to see him score. Like I thought five touchdowns was high because I figured he would hit some deep balls, which he did, but man, seven touchdowns. That's a great season by him. So absolutely. There's a couple it's it it's hard looking at these because you're like if some of these guys would have hit these projections like we expected them to play, yeah, you know, we're for sure in the playoffs. So that's kind of yeah. hard to look at. And to see that, you know, four of the people that we were had projections on here miss a significant amount of time, two of them more than you know, half the season. It's easy to see why we might have struggled some because you know, obviously Rashawn Carey was a huge piece of our defense. So All right. Um I mean Rogers got injured in the in the Giants game in London, Fifth week, I mean yeah. that had a, they obviously had an effect on the rest of his season. Like not that we're using it as an excuse for our projections to be off, but it certainly affects that. Um, right. But like I said, I think we did pretty good. I'm not gonna lie; like we were pretty close on a lot of these. So good job, everybody, for those projections. I think we did pretty good. Um, yeah, and I think we should. I think we should do more of those next season. Yeah, they're fun. All right, so. I mentioned it when we started the show. Our next season, or our next Friday night show, is going to be on February 10th. We're going to do four ways to pick the Packers. 
uh, to fix the Packers. Sorry not to pick the Packers. I'm already thinking about drafts because that's <laughs> the next thing that we're getting into after we do the four ways to fix the Packers um, episode. Is it going to be heavy on the draft prep? So if you're interested in sticking around with us on draft prep, um, it's one of the most labor-intensive segments that we do on the Wisco Fanatics show is draft prep. And we usually try to work in a live draft show at some point as well and, and just do a bunch of mock drafts. Um, and now that we have extra people with us, we have extra input. So we're gonna, probably going to spread these out a little bit more. Um, and now that we're doing our Friday night shows separate from our Wednesday shows, we'll be able to dedicate a little bit more time to those as well and not be doing them at the end of Wednesday night shows and dragging into two and a half, three hour episodes. We have to do them separately. And like I said, be able to devote a little bit more time to them. So that said, each of us have two positions of need that we're going to cover. Um, I think we have each have one on offense, one on defense. And, you know, some of it is contextual based on guys that are free agents, but we have reasons being for all of them. So Simon, I'm going to let you go first. Give me your two positions of need that you're covering for the Packers going into 2020. You want me to go into it too? Yeah. Just yeah, go ahead. All of it? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I think uh, one of the more obvious ones is wide receiver. I mean, right now we just have like – Two practice squad guys, Bo Melton and Jeff Cotton, and then we got Toure, Watson, and Dodds going into next year because Alan Lazard's currently a free agent. And I think pending a right contract with him, it's not really looking like he might he'll be back. So that'll be kind of a huge loss uh, for the Packers. And then Randall Cobb's also a free agent as well. And then we obviously lost uh, – we cut – um, Amari Rogers in the middle of the season last year. Oh, no. um, <laughs> I know you, you're super yeah, he sad. Went bald you're so, too. Yeah, he went and had, he was so he was, that Aaron Rodgers was no longer pro, a quarterback. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> it's all Aaron Rodgers' fault that Amari Rodgers didn't work out. Definitely. Uh, so we're a little thin there. I, I think, and not getting way too much into our offseason stuff, but. I could see us signing another free agent wide receiver like Sammy Watkins. Not Sammy Watkins, but a guy like oh, no. a guy like that, where he's been in the league for a while. Uh, he he's probably had a year or two where he was good, and he's just like a veteran addition to the team. Uh, maybe we'll see Randall Cobb back if Rogers comes back. Uh, lots uh, left to go on that saga. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see us use another high pick on a wide receiver, get another young guy in the room. Stop it, Tim. What do you say? My guy, but stop it. We're not, we're not bringing in Julio Jones. And I'm just as annoyed oh, as I saw this today. Cause Bill Huber wrote an article about it, that the Packers are currently the betting favorites to, to trade for Deandre Hopkins. Yeah. See, I, I don't oh, God, It's so annoying. Like people gotta understand our cap situation isn't the greatest either. So um a lot of these guys that were you know losing in free agency and stuff are not coming back. Or they'll be back on like a super cheap deal. Cause we still got uh, Rashawn Gary extension. That uh, that's really well definitely coming. What's up? That ties in well to your other position of, of need as well. Sure. Yeah, exactly. So Speaking of, uh, also, we're probably going to be in the market for another D-line. I think towards the end of the year, the D-line kind of came out strong. Kenny Clark played amazing down the stretch. Um, but Jaron Reed was kind of up and down all season. Dean Lowry is 
exactly what we kind of all expected out of him. He's kind of a halfway decent player, but you don't want to start him. Like if the you don't living have embodiment to. of the word serviceable. Yes, I I, I love that. Uh, so Reed and Lowry are both free agents. I I don't expect either of them to come back, in my opinion. Um, the only one who come back would be Reed, in my opinion. I don't I don't think Reed's coming I, back. I don't think he's, he's coming back. With a pay raise, in yeah, opinion. he's he's gonna want uh, money, and I don't. It's money that we don't have, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him gone. Uh, so that kind of just leaves us with Clark, which is good. Wyatt, who came out strong on the end of the season. Uh, when he finally got earned his play in time, which is good. And then we got Slayton, Slayton, and Ford. Um, so I wouldn't – I think we're going to add another young guy in the draft too to go along with that. Uh, TJ Slayton played some good games too. I'm looking forward to him next year yeah. backing up Kenny Clark. That'll be his – he's going on his third year, so I think it would be interesting. Ford he might be a breakout candidate for next Ford season. was an interesting prospect in the offseason too. I liked some of his preseason tape, but it could be a it could be another year where they feel like adding to the D line depth, maybe bringing in a cheap free agent too. Um, Bill said, "I don't think Lazard or Cobb will be back. Lazard's definitely going to be in the market for a pay raise. Um, Cobb, Cobb, I think is completely conditional. Yeah, um, I think too. I'm going to say this now. We're not going to talk about Aaron Rodgers very much because it's all speculation and conjecture at this point." But if there's an inc- like a, an indicator of what Aaron Rodgers is going to do, if something happens with Randall Cobb before Aaron Rodgers is back, whether Cobb decides to retire or if if Randall Cobb gets re-signed by the Packers, I think that's going to be a pretty strong indicator that Rodgers is playing for the Packers in 2023. Like, I really don't think that there's a scenario where the Packers are like, we need to have Randall Cobb available for Jordan Love. True. That's my opinion on that. Um, nah, I think I think that would be Cobb's. Uh, I think he deserves that because he didn't want to catch passes from Love when he first came back. Yeah, that's that's not bad. Um, kind of deserves that. <laughs> Cody said Cobb and last for Ty Hilton. That's going to be a hefty no thank you for me as well. Um, I'm going to yeah, put Ty Hilton, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins all in the thanks but no thanks category. I definitely think there's other potential options, especially in the draft or in free agency that the Packers can look at if they're just looking at somebody to to fill a place because we know going in the next season, one and two is going to be Watson and Dobbs. So, and I think we'll get into a little bit more name-specific players when it comes into our, our four ways to fix the Packers thing. Um, you know, then I think we'll get a little bit more specific on who exactly we want to see wearing green and gold next season. So, I, I don't want to get too far into that, like you said, but one guy I'm looking forward to coming back is BJ Raji. I'm still holding out hope. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I heard yeah, Jeff Jones Jones technically again. retired as a Packer, right? He's, he's technically under contract with us for one day. Um, so let's, Brian, give me your two positions of need for the Packers. So my first one, um, it's, it's kind of interesting. We're, I feel like we have depth there, but we could definitely add a piece. That would be inside linebacker slash middle linebacker, pretty much interchangeable depending on what defense you're looking at. Now, if we were to move switch to a 4-3, which, by the way, I would love if we did because I feel like we're pretty close to having the secondary that we would need for that. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. We would definitely need to add a middle linebacker, but 
for right now, I think the depth going into next year pretty much is going to be Quay Walker, Devondre Campbell, because he can't really do much with this contract. If he's healthy, I think we, he's a really good player on our team still. And then the other one was Isaiah McDuffie. I thought Isaiah McDuffie played really well. Um, I think Chris Barnes is probably gone. So I, I would like to see us add somebody there. There's some interesting options um, in free agency that over the cap has like at an attainable price, like Devin Bush, who's only going to be like 25 years old, they think is worth like 4 million a year. So that'd be someone we could take a flyer on or something like that. There's a couple yeah. linebackers that they're going to have a little more expensive, but we'll go into that more. Um, but, and then there's some decent ones in the draft as well. So I think adding one more there, especially if we want to um, continue to move Quay Walker around, it'll be vital. So if we're going to put Quay Walker, if say we're going to use Quay Walker as a someone to you know help with the pass rush until Rashawn Gary is fully back, we probably definitely want to add someone else. I would like to, for us to keep Eric Wilson too, but he's going to be a special team um, star essentially. I don't know if you all see him, but he's actually the highest rated special teams player per pro football focus on the year. So if we can bring him back, he's going to be a core special teams piece and we can probably get some snaps out of him if we need it. The other uh, position is tight end. This one we absolutely have to address. And that's because I believe looking at the, the roster, the only person we have under contract next year is just hired to Guara. So Aguara, yeah. um, there's some definitely very like interesting free agents coming up. You got Mike Gasicki out there who I know how to down year, but that dude's like, you know, he runs a four five, two at six of four. He's a, so he can fly, he can catch the ball. He had a couple 700-yard seasons before this last one. You're looking at the person I really like is Dalton Schultz, who's uh, be a decent tight end ad. And then there's some other ones. Obviously, Robert Tony is going to be free agent. And then there's a there's a, I've seen mock drafts projecting a couple tight ends in the first round. I think only one is worth it. Um, Meyer or Mayer out of um, Notre Dame, but okay. I don't want to get too much into that. We'll see. No, Kuiper just on the road into the Packers. Oh, did he? I didn't see that. Yep. I've but, seen him mocked like I've seen him mocked like three or four times now. I'm sorry, I don't, like I'm the Me type too. of person I don't want to take a tight end in the first round. You know what I mean? I, I don't either. I don't, either I, I, yeah, I don't think the worth is there. Like the value is just not there, especially yeah. in so the middle. We need, yeah. we need to address it, but like I think Aaron Rodgers has gotten so used to not playing with a tight end that's dominant. Granted, I know uh, Tanyan had all those touchdowns a couple years ago, but he never had that many yards. It was just a huge red zone threat, but. If we were to add someone like Mark Andrews, I'm not saying that we would add Mark Andrews, but would, would Aaron be constantly looking for him? And would he put up 800, 900 yards? I don't know that that would happen, but, you know, we'll see. It also, like, obviously it's all going to change on that decision that Aaron makes. But um, I think I would, if we could add a receiving threat, an actual receiving threat at tight end, we need one. I love Tanyan, but. Yeah. Bill, Bill said Tanyan on a prove-it deal, maybe. That's essentially what he was on this year. he was on this yeah. year. And. Like, I really didn't see much proving it. Um, if he comes back up for the vet minimum, sure. Yeah. And, yeah, another another $4 million deal, like, maybe. Um, right, on the subject of veteran minimums, like, I'd be willing to bring back Mercedes Lewis just because of yeah. the impact that he has on the team outside mm-hmm. of the box score. If you ask me if I want Mercedes Lewis or Robertonian, I'll tell you Mercedes Lewis all day long. Yeah, want. same. I'd... It's and it's not necessarily even like the head to head of it. Like obviously, Mercedes Lewis isn't going to outpace Robert Tunyon in reception. That's what he does for the team. But you, yeah, but you look at the impact that those two players have, and then you look at the the opportunity that having Mercedes Lewis and then being able to fill that room with somebody else versus having Robert Tunyon and then needing to fill a guy 
who's going to control your locker room, who's going to help teach young guys, and is going to have an impact on the field of blocking. Um, yeah. So I, I'm with you on that. Um, Jake, what are two positions of need that you're looking at? So before I start, um, I saw this the other day. Um, I've been sure true, but I'm sure it comes from a pretty reliable source. But Packers are last right now in me towards wide receivers and tight ends. They only have $11 million to wide receivers and tight ends going into next season. Um, they said that Lazard's market value is $11 million by himself. So that's fucking gross. <laughs> um, I don't want him at all. So that's outside right, of that, um, no, nah, hell no. See ya. Bye. If we're talking about Lazard. I, like you when you're I would here, prefer, but... like, I'd go as high as eight million. million. I wouldn't Seven, go any higher than ten. I agree with that. Um, I didn't want MVS last year for ten million. T- peace. I agree. Um, so Thank my first position is running though. back. Um, I believe that we need we need to look at running back seriously. AJ Dillon's going into the last year of his rookie deal. He's going to need to get re-signed. Um, Aaron Jones is due for twenty million. No, he's not getting cut. His dead cap is nine point five million. They're not going to pay nine point five million to have Aaron Jones being a superstar for another NFL team. That's just not going to happen. That's he's stupid. a restructure candidate. Um, he's definitely a restructure candidate. Um, I thought this was crazy. I was looking. I was like breaking down his contract. Seven point four mil for his roster bonus. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> Worth <laughs> um, in my opinion. I mean, I agree. Talking. I agree. He's a great guy too. Um, and then, you know, we have Taylor and we have Goodson as well. Those guys are cheap, cheap, young options that are kind of exciting. But, you know, you don't really want to have to rely on those kind of guys. Not that Patrick Taylor was bad when he was up here. Yeah, I thought he was pretty decent, actually. But what what was the expectation bar at? So that's why probably why I thought he was pretty decent because I had zero expectations for him, right? So then the next one is really the bigger one for me. I do think that we have to take a little peek at running back. Not that it has to be a serious thing, not like a tight end. I'm actually 100% on board with a tight end, also on board with a safety. I think that's a big one. Um, but edge. Um, and I have I have a little bit of stats, nothing crazy, um, but we have 34 sacks as a team, right? <laughs> Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith were 14 and a half of those 34 sacks. Rashawn Gary got hurt in week nine. They were 42% of the sacks. So here's the next one. Hold on. I'm gonna pull up, I'm gonna pull up the snaps. So we had 171 pressures as a team. Rashawn Gary led the way by a large margin with 47. Jesus. The next highest person, it was a tie between Preston Smith and Kenny Clark. I didn't put Kenny Clark in here because I don't have D-line. But Gary and Smith together are 75. 75 of the 171. That is 43% of the pressures. Rashawn Gary is worth $40 million to the Green Bay Packers right now. (laughs) I'm not even fucking kidding. His market value is around 22, I believe. I saw 22, 21, something in the the low 20s. To Green Bay, he's worth $40 million. Because we don't have another person that gets pressure. We don't have another person that sacks quarterback at that high of rate. And, you know, shout out to, to Preston Smith, the guy's balling, but he's going into to his mid to late 30s now. <laughs> uh, do I need to say anything else? It's Rashawn Gary and a bunch of guys <laughs> is really what our, our outside linebacker edge position is. 
And Enigbari was a nice, nice young piece. But Enigbari is really just going to be, you know, a rotational player for his career, in my opinion. That's what I see him as right now. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. You need those depth guys. But we need another guy because pass rush is what wins playoff football games. Look at the San Francisco 49ers defense. Now, yes, I understand they have Fred Warner. They have Hafunga or whatever the hell his name is. They have zero corners. That fucking front seven. I'm sorry. I got to swear now. The front seven is insane, dude. They literally just get to the quarterback in two and a half seconds. It's insane. And Nick Bosa might be the best player. He might have taken the title as the best player in the NFL. For me, when I was watching that Cowboys 49ers game, I was like, all right, whoever has the bigger game between Bosa and Parsons is who I'm going to declare the best player. And personally, I thought Nick Bosa was a little bit better. And yeah, nothing wrong with Aaron Donald, but Nick Bosa is a freaking beast. Sucks that he plays with 49ers. But all I'm going to say is edge, for, to me, is is right up there with safety. So, listen, you, you brought up oh my God, the pressures and the sacks numbers. Mm-hmm. The Packers had a total of 1,033 defensive snaps. Rashawn Gary played 378, and Preston Smith played 825. Holy shit. So Preston Smith played about – he played 79% of snaps, and Rashawn Gary played under 37% of snaps. Try to tell me he's not worth like $30 million to the Packers right now. Jeez. Try to tell me that. He is everything on the edge. I'll say for King Kingsley Angbari, I know you said he'd probably be just a dude. I think he has a chance to be at least. I think he has a chance to be a Preston Smith type player for sack production for sure. Uh, like he had like four her. Yeah. Preston Smith's just a dude. He's not like a star. He's a really good dude. Well, he, he's, he's just he's just a dude. Eight man. nine sacks you know, is a pretty dang good number. I, I'll there, take, there's a, I'll there's take a lot of dudes a bat, in the NFL. I'll, I'll, but I'll yeah. take that I'll, as I'll a secondary guy. I'm not saying that's yeah. bad. I'm not at all like discrediting him. No, no, no. But, yeah, I, I feel you. But Rashawn Gary's ceiling, and I talked about it before the season. I think this guy could go out there and have a 17 sack season. That's just the kind of guy I think he is. Rashawn Gary's ceiling is defensive player of the year. It is. He okay, he could be in the that. conversation with a Nick Bosa for pressure rate and and sacks. Like I, I think he could be in that conversation. Ceiling is Pro Bowl. I would say. Yeah. Not yeah. All and I'll say, hey, I'll, if Barry is a Pro Bowl, or even that's, what, that's what I'm saying. Is great player. For if he develops draft. into that second pass rusher who could potentially make the Pro Bowl, I'll take that. Same at the same time, if we, I know we're asking people to develop, but if he develops and then we have Kenny Clark inside and Devontae Wyatt had a sack and a half on the year and he hardly played any snaps, like if, if you start to see that numbers, like we could be pretty dangerous if Rashawn yeah. Gary gets back. King Zang Bari has some pass rush moves. If he adds some functional strength this offseason, Kenny becomes more of a pro. I think, you know, Gary is rookie season had two sacks. Obviously, Ngbari played a lot more snaps this year because out of necessity. And he had three sacks this year. I, I think Ngbari could push six, seven sacks next year for sure. Um, Preston Smith, you brought up his age. He turned 30 in, in November, so he's just 30. Oh, he just turned 30. I thought he was 31 already. My fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's just 30. So, so here, here's something I'll, I'll also say of – the players that had at least two pass, 200 pass rushing snaps, he was second on the team in pass rush win rate. And Ibari. Oh, wow. And it, obviously, it's 
the the difference between Gary and Akbari was a little bit like Gary's percentage was twenty, Akbari's was fifteen. Well, so I mean, the difference is there. Uh, one second, let me. Uh, Thirteen point one. Hmm. So I, I mean, it, it, it he's a developmental prospect. I don't think anyone had us taking him in the fifth round and thought he was going to be a monster. I okay. liked him. Yeah, and but I, I think the potential is there to be more than what Jake's saying he could be. That's just my opinion. Listen, man, there's 32 teams. I, a lot yeah, of really I good you. players. I, I think you. he's just a dude, yeah, and there's, may, there's nothing wrong with that. I could be calling him a bum. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think he's a bum. Can I give you some numbers? I like this numbers. Might affect your opinion a little bit. If I'm being yeah. honest. Preston Smith finished 10th in the NFL in sacks. Okay. Listen to some of the guys he had more sacks than. More sacks than Bradley Chubb. More sacks than Von Miller. More sacks than Khalil Mack. Demario Davis. Josh Allen. Obviously Rashawn Gary. More sacks than Bobby Wagner. Uh, more sacks than TJ Watt, who got hurt. More sacks than Melvin Ingram. I mean, Chandler Jones. Uh, Roquan Smith. Bud Dupree, who was hurt about half the season, but um, Levante David. I mean, those are all guys that Preston Smith had more sacks than. Um, Zadarius Smith had nine, and Leonard Floyd had nine. So those guys are only half a sack. Wait, talk him. about a fall off that he had. Yeah, I remember halfway through the season, Minnesota was like, "Oh, thanks for a Z, thanks for a Z." Then he disappeared. I see something like over the last eight games, he didn't have a sack, or he had like one or two sacks over the last eight games. He had a half a sack. Half a sack, yeah. There. Yep. There you go. So, I mean, essentially, like, top 10 in sacks for Preston Smith. If that's Angbari's ceiling, I'm all for that. <laughs> like, that's great. I think No, I agree with you, Jake. I don't think he'll ever be, like, a perennial pro bowler. You never know. But I think if we can get someone that's going to put up 8 to 10, you know, 7 to 10 sacks and next to Rashawn Gary, we're cooking with gas a little bit there. Oh, 100%. So, I would absolutely be about this, but – it's Cody mentioned it in the comments. You guys kind of tiptoed around it a little bit already. One of the positions of need, and this is my opinion, the biggest one for the Packers is safety. Um, prior to last season, the Packers picked up Darnell Savage's fifth year option. So Darnell Savage is on the, on the roster for 2023. Other than that, everybody else is free agents. Adrian Amos is a free agent. Rudy Ford is a free agent who, in my opinion, Rudy Ford should be a, a priority to bring back because of his impact not only at safety, but on special teams as well. And I think if they can bring Adrian Amos back inexpensively, I think that would be an option to explore um, just because we did see Darnell Savage play a little bit better football um, playing as essentially a nickel corner. Mm. Um, Whether they try to do more of that, whether they address it in the draft or in free agency when it comes to safety, it is a big position of need and then when we're talking about positions of need it's not necessarily one where it's like the Packers need a guy there but on the offensive line that's pretty much always something that is drafted and replenished every season with the Packers um you can say cut David Bakhtiari you want he's not getting cut David Bakhtiari is going to be on the roster next season. He'll be another restructure candidate, but David Bakhtiari is going to be on the roster next season. Elton Jenkins is extended. Josh Myers is going into his third season. He's arguably the one that's got the most to prove on the offensive line. 
Um, John Runyon, I would say, is pretty much locked in at right guard. And then you're looking at right tackle, and you're looking between Yash Nyman and Zach Tom. If they allow Zach, um, Zach Tom to start and let Yash Nyman walk, that'll be more just essentially needing to draft for depth, which is something that um, Brian Gutekunst has shown himself to be very good at doing. So putting putting offensive line into our positions of need and something that we're going to rank for drafts, um, that's definitely going to be basically something that's going to be done every single year when we do our draft rankings. Um, what? Offensive line will always be in that. So. Is Nyman a restricted free agent? Yes. Yep. What do we owe? Is he, was it $6 million? Four for I think it's $4, four? Million for a second-round tender. So I think there's about 100% possibility of getting a second-round tender. I'd be, I'd be really surprised if they did not picked up the second round, like a needy team for a tackle. I think there's I, a better chance we tag him and trade him. I said this. I think I said it on our on our last show when we talked about it. I think if anybody's willing to give up that second round pick for him, I think it's maybe the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Maybe the Bears. Oh wait, let's try. They don't have that anymore. <laughs> Sorry, I had to take a shout out to Bear fans. <laughs> <laughs> um bill said we're gonna have some restructuring ahead of us we have six guys that will eat up about 55 percent of our cap yeah bill that's thankfully we have russ ball uh he is the salary cap wizard um he's a guy who potentially um i think would be you know in consideration for team president when mark murphy retires in 2025 um uh, just because he's that that damn good at his job but, you know, Russ Ball, he'll get it figured out. I mean, Bakhtiari is going to get restructured. Um, Aaron Rodgers is going to get restructured one way or another. Aaron Jones is going to get restructured. I would throw maybe Jair into that. But, I mean, looking at last season and this season, um, I mean, just with Jair's number, I think maybe some of it getting converted to – Oh, maybe. Corner. Maybe that way. Um, he's not going to He's not gonna take any less money, but just – Converting some of it to signing bonus. You guys ever? Uh, you guys ever watched like ba- I think it's Bazaroski on YouTube. Yeah. He did a, a pretty good video breakdown of how Green Bay can essentially free up like twenty something million, thirty million dollars in cap space really easily. And then we heard Aaron Rodgers say yesterday on Pat McAfee show that like he's not he wouldn't come back at the sixty million or forty million number. And then I seen a breakdown where it's like you could get his cap hit down quite a bit, adding more void years and stuff like that, if I'm not mistaken. I think so, they can get him down to 31 million is what I saw. Yeah. So like there's things they can, can do. Uh, if so we're looking at last year to this year, last year at this time, the Packers were 55 million over the cap this year. They're yeah. six and a half million under. Yep. So they're in a much better position than they were last year already. And obviously last year they got it figured out. So this year, like you said, like you said, Bill, Bill, uh, Russ ball will be a busy man, but, He's a, in a little bit better position this year than he was last year. So um, He knows what he's doing. I trust Russ Ball. I do, too. Russ Ball is a wizard. He's a wizard. Yeah. Um, all right. Is there anything else you guys want to say Packers related? Um, Cody said Amos took two restructures back-to-back. I don't see him coming back cheap. I don't think he'll come back, to be honest. I think he his time in Green Bay is over. I could see him. He's from the Baltimore area. I've actually ran into his family like two or three times out here, which is kind of weird. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if he wants to come like play in Maryland. So you could see they him. They just on, drafted like, a guy and they signed a free agent safety last yeah, year. I said Maryland. Who else is right here? Who the fuck wants to play for the commanders, bro? Come on. I don't even want to play for the commanders. 
<laughs> so I'm just saying, I wouldn't be shocked if he comes up this way. But I've also seen where since he's already got void years on his contract, if we do resign him, um, there's a way we could save cap stays by resigning him. Hmm. So I think Tyler froze in a happy face. <laughs> that, that's a good way to freeze though man he wasn't pissed off or sneezing um, or some shit you know? sure to be a ton of fun so uh definitely tune back in for that one on february 10th and we do our four mm-hmm. ways to fix the packers other than that simon bryant thanks for hopping on with us on a wednesday i know it's a little bit out of the norm but um thanks everybody for watching and sticking with us for the whole show and commenting along and jake and i will be back next wednesday so you guys take care and See you guys soon. Yes, sir. Take care, boys. Take care. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.